1: your refrigerator after a long day seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge the answer is no there's nothing better that's why when it's time to chill you choose Coors Light it's mountain cold refreshment made to chill Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind so that's why when you want to hit reset reach for a beer that's made to chill get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart Coors Brewing Company Golden Colorado And as always, celebrate.
2: Hey guys, it's Scott. Before we release the show, I was editing and all of a sudden the New York Yankees go out and sign Mr. Neil Walker, another second baseman slash third baseman slash utility guy slash first baseman to add to the mix. Uh, We recorded last night, so we did not include this in there and I wanted to just briefly mention it and talk about it. We'll definitely get all into depth during the next episode. But this looks like a one-year deal, right around $5 bucks, pending a physical. Look, the I think a lot of people are going to be up in arms because the kids are not going to be in the Bronx for the very beginning of the season. But if you take a step back and look at the entire team aspect and you take a more macro look at what is happening, Neil Walker comes in and provides a, a switch hitter bat that can play in multiple positions that used to be a middle-of-the-order guy like the guy can hit. Uh, doesn't strike out a lot and gives them another veteran presence so that these kids can go and acclimate and just get even better in in uh in Scranton and triple a and you know come middle of the season let's say there's an injury let's say uh, one of these one of these vet guys that are up right now are not playing well well, Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone have an embarrassment of riches now in Scranton with these guys getting just completely seasoned and and working on their craft while they're down. With a rail rider, so look, I, I saw it. I was very surprised that, that this happened, but if you take a step back and actually look at what the team looks like now, uh, the team is a lot deeper. the team is uh, is better currently, I think, because of the experience that Neil Walker brings and look this guy's been hurt in the past, so um, it 's a pretty low risk contract one year five million bucks i mean we 're talking almost Chris Carter terms so this is not something that's going to really completely change the dynamic of of what the Yankees look like I think into the future but it does currently change I think what happens right now and and the way that they're approaching spring training so it looks like Drury's most likely going to be the third baseman Neil Walker's going to come in as the second baseman uh, and that's probably how they're going to start the season but who knows spring training can play out we'll dive deeper into that next episode Um, but for now happy Monday and enjoy today's episode We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go.
1: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 214. Scott, how's it going? We've had a busy weekend for, for recording and live streaming things.
2: Yeah, we've been doing all sorts of stuff. We we went on yesterday during the Yankees Mets game and uh had some uh had a good time to talk with you know a few different uh people who were in there and Alex, brought them Alex on live. And
1: Frank joined. Yeah. It's something that Scott and I mentioned if you did not watch the live stream. We did like 2 hours on Saturday afternoon. It's something we want to do during the regular season a lot more where go live during a game and it's not going to be our normal show where we run through a bunch of topics and stuff that happened over the week, answer mailbag questions. It's going to be just reacting to what happened. And as you, as you, if you were watching yesterday, we just went on some random ass tangents for, for about a good two hours.
2: Yeah. I mean, literally watching the game, it's like sitting there watching the game, drinking a beer with your buddies and, and hanging out. So that's, that's what we're going to do more often. And uh, we had four people on at one time, I think was the most yesterday when you got off. Joe, Joe McFly actually came on and was hanging out for a little bit, too. Um, and but the next so the next time I think we if we do it with the software that we're currently using, we can actually get I want to say like eight people at one time. So well, we can have a whole Brady Bunch thing going on.
1: We're going to need to have like, OK, you talk now. You're going to have to take a number because even with four people <laughs> yesterday, we were talking over one another.
2: Yeah. So we'll we'll see. If not, we can like swap people in and out. So this, uh, this weekend, I was, as I was
1: watching the Valspar tournament, watching Tiger, is he back, is he not back, all the people talking about that. It reminded me, two years ago this weekend, we were in Tampa for the first time. It was the first time we went down to spring training, and we, went, we were at that tournament on Saturday. I was watching, and I was like, wait, why does this golf course seem familiar? Why does Valspar stick in my mind like something I should recognize? And it's because we went to this tournament.
2: Yeah, I did the same thing. I was like, "This, this, is there something <laughs> about this that looks the, the very familiar?" The snake and pit
1: is what got me when they mentioned the snake pit. I was like, "Snake pit, like snakes, snakes." I don't know snakes.
2: Well, they were talking about the Gulf. Like it was in uh, on the Gulf yeah. of, uh, and then I was like, "Wait a minute, it's in Florida." Oh, I think we were there at this yeah. thing. That's where we saw. Uh, who did we see play? Who was on the uh, range? <laughs>
1: You're gonna. I it was am, like. Uh, he I was like
2: the be. biggest. He was the biggest name that was VJ Singh. That was like yeah. the biggest name I think we saw.
1: Well. Too bad we didn't get to see Tiger because yeah, it would have been fun. The the people come out of the woodworks for for the golf fans. Everyone goes out and watches Tiger. Everyone, everyone. The ratings, I'm sure, were like quadrupled this weekend. But oh yeah, definitely. Um, we're get, that. The one thing it made me realize is we're damn close to being down in Tampa.
2: Yes, we have what two weeks now, and we will be in Tampa. And we're going to that Friday game and going to the Saturday game. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm excited for it. It's going to be a really short trip for me. I have like the flights from hell because the flights were just terrible when I was looking at them. So, um, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a very quick turnaround, but I'm glad we can get two games in. I know you did, and I remember how miserable you were. So
1: the thing was, last time, two two years ago, when we were down there, as I was just saying, it was daylight savings weekend as well. So we sprang forward. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: It was on top of my
1: me. flight was six a.m., but it was really like five a.m. because you fast forwarded an hour. We attempted to go out all night. We're like, screw it, we're just gonna drink all night. There's no point. I got to go to the airport at five o'clock in the morning anyway. We made it to like. 4 a.m., which was probably the dumbest decision to do was to go to bed from 4 a.m. to 4:45 a.m. and then wake up and go to the airport. I had Who, f- who's we? I my decision. That was the. But I was we- going to
2: say. I don't think I was up till 4 a.m. Was I? Yeah, we were both up till 4 a.m. Oh, she okay.
1: You passed out on the couch and I remember I left for the airport. You were you were laying on the couch. I was like, he'll, he'll, he's gonna either die or he's gonna live. <laughs> this is this is up to him. I am no longer responsible for this man. But I remember I had a three hour layover in the Atlanta airport and I slept like a homeless person on the on the benches. Uh, yeah. except they don't have the armrests that go up because they don't want people sleeping on them. So I I wedged myself underneath the armrest and trying to get uh, like an hour and a half of shut-eye because I was so damn hungover. Um, never again, man. Never again. I'm too old yeah, for well, that Yeah, well, I'm shit. doing
2: that. this um, I have a 5 a.m. I think it's a 5 a.m. flight. So, But
1: you're not going to try and attempt and stay out all night. You're We're, we're going go oh, to go to the game no. on Saturday. We have the 30 people coming to the game. It's, it's the open bar. The problem is I'm –
2: I say that. I say that now that I will not attempt to do anything stupid. I will drug then,
1: you. I will, dr- I will drug you and you will be out by 10 p.m. so you can get at least a couple hours sleep.
2: I'll be okay. I'll handle it. I'm a, I'm a seasoned vet by this point, at this point. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm just glad Uber is, uh, is around at like 3 a.m.
1: But it's going to be a nice warm-up for uh, April 7th, which is right around the corner. Of the first Saturday home game of the season against Baltimore. It's our first event. It's a 1 o'clock game on Saturday. The tickets are on sale if you go to the Bronx Pinstripes Fan Shop. If you go to any of our social media sites, you'll see the link there. We, you guys probably listening know the deal. We have a pregame party at the dugout where you get drink specials. For for sixty four total dollars, you get a game ticket in right field in section two hundred five or two hundred six, which is an awesome seat. First of all, the, the the face value of that ticket is already worth the sixty four dollars. We're going to be doing a pregame party at the dugout an hour and a half before the game. You get drink specials, four dollar tall boy PBRs. Um, and then you can also do the ten dollars uh, domestic draft pitchers, so you can really be economical about your your pregame drinking with this with mm-hmm. this uh, with this deal. And you can only get the deal if you're part of the event. And then you also get the T-shirt, which uh, is design is custom designed specifically for that event. So it's an awesome deal. I can't wait for it. it that place is going to be rocking. Like I said, it's the first weekend home game.
2: Yeah, we've we've definitely uh, we've already sold over a hundred tickets. Um, we're a month away. So I expect uh, usually the way that this has gone in the past is that people, you know, a couple of weeks, three weeks, four weeks, uh, three weeks behind before it start loading up on these tickets. So we're over 100 tickets already. Um, if you are getting your group together, get that going and uh, and definitely sign up. You can sign up as a group. We'll put you together and, and do all that stuff. So I'm coordinating the tickets. Um, but in order to get the T-shirt, we're going to have a cutoff date. I'll announce it when it is. But I, I don't know exactly when that is yet. But it's probably going to be about two, two to two and a half weeks before the event. So that the shirt can come to you, I'm not bringing the shirts to the pregame this year because the pregame is going to be a cluster. It's who knows. It's going to be it's going to be hard. To it was uh, too much stress.
1: It was too much stress, honestly. Yeah, and to I, do I want to have at fun the at the game too. So exactly. we're going to send, we're going to mail them out. The thing that I I noticed, especially on the June the June event last year, is you and I were just busy checking people in and and giving out t-shirts. We didn't have a chance to talk to everybody.
2: Yeah, but um, definitely definitely. Go and, uh, and check that out. And the rest of the events are on there as well. I'm excited. Dan is uh, Dan Laturio. Uh, he's on Facebook right now saying that he has a 6 a.m. 6 a.m. flight in Tampa on that same weekend. So, uh, you guys can carpool to the airport. Maybe together. we're carpooling, <laughs> yeah. You can, you can make sure I'm, I hit my flight.
1: Uh, why don't you run through the rest of the events just to remind people?
2: Just quickly, it's uh, May 26th. Again, these are all on the website. May 26th against the Angels. That's uh, the pregame. is going to be in, at the brewery. Uh, June ninth versus Boston. That's a Friday night game. July 22nd versus the Mets. That's a Sunday night baseball game um, again at the brewery for a pregame. And then August 18th, which is the 1998 celebration. That's when the Yankees do their whole celebration for the championship team. And the final game is September 15th versus Toronto. It's a four o'clock game at the stadium.
1: Before we get into topics, you got to tell people about uh, how they can get a good night's sleep, right?
2: Winter is here still. All right, Winter, let's wrap it up. I know. I don't know about you, but cleaning and clearing out closets makes me feel like spring will be here any day. Did you know decluttering your bedroom can also help you feel more relaxed so you can sleep more restfully? Perhaps it's time to consider a fresh new mattress. Nine out of ten couples prefer a different mattress firmness. Sleep number bed, you can choose your ideal firmness on each side of the bed just so it's right for both of you. The new Sleep Number beds are smart. They censor every move and automatically adjust to keeping you, you sleeping comfortably. There's even an adjustment for snoring. Does your bed do that? No. Sleep Number Queen mattresses are only $899 right now. Uh, spring clearance event, you can save up to $600 in the most popular beds. There are more than 550 Sleep Number stores. Visit sleepnumber.com slash Bronx to find any store near you.
1: Giancarlo, our guy, stayed and had a big week, first of all. He was on the cover of Men's Health, flashing those pecs, looking all swole on the cover of Men's Health, and having videos out there of him swinging a bat, taking batting practice shirtless. What did you think of that move by him? Did it uh, <coughs> have some shades of our
2: boy, Alexander Emmanuel Rodriguez? <laughs> Well, he wasn't kissing. He wasn't making out with himself in not the uh, in the not, mirror. Not yet. That, that's the uh, that's that's the rule. And he wasn't sunbathing in in Central Park. Mm-hmm. He wasn't doing the things. See, there's little things you can do within the scope of uh, of doing these like shirtless things that a lot of athletes do that make you very much like an A Rod, uh, yeah. that, that make make it very different than A Rod and how he performs his thing. So, but but it's fine. I'm sure the ladies loved Giancarlo, and I'm sure he oh. accomplished what he wanted to I do. I mean, those pecs, those pecs don't quit.
1: But could you imagine Aaron Judge doing something like this? No, not in a even if years. even if Men's Health like approached him, I I don't think he would do it. Like he did the cover of MLB The Show, so he's obviously not opposed to being front and center of attention. Being like, give me the sponsorships, give I want to make money, but I don't think he's going to be posing shirtless on a Men's Health cover or something like that.
2: There's such different personalities, and I mean, you look at them; their stature is very similar. You look at the the way that they play. And you see a lot of similarities in their in their game on the field. When you start talking to them and you go off the field, they're very different people. Mm. And uh, no judge wouldn't do anything like that's that. Fine, but though. whatever, it's just their personalities. Like it's you all mentioned,
1: good. you mentioned even on the the live stream we were doing yesterday, like you had the perception that Stanton was a dick before he got to New York. And I said
2: some of the things that he said yeah. when he was in in um, Miami came across as a, a bit arrogant. I yep. didn't go as far as calling him a dick, but I'm saying that yes, I, I that's how I picked up on that. Right?
1: Things. Do you? Uh, and you've, I've changed my mind. You've I think changed your he's mind, just, though,
2: right? I have, yeah. yeah. And maybe that's because I'm just in love that he's on the Yankees. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure got, that has something to do with that. You've got your
1: pinstripe blinders on.
2: Yeah, I'm totally biased at this point. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, like I, I, I can, I can, I think I can identify what, what you know, what people are and, and how I perceive them, um, in a logical way and without looking at the uniform. And I, I just, I, I think uh, I didn't hear enough of from him to really know who he is. And he's, he's a very confident guy. There's no doubt about it. Um, but he just kind of says what's on his mind, and I think sometimes when you when you hear that in segments, people who speak their mind in a confident way, it can come across as arrogant.
1: I just always took it as he's got a big personality, and you See, know, I don't some, even think he's got a big personality.
2: I don't well, think, I think that's he does. even the right thing. I think he does. I don't think he's got like a like a. Uh, I don't. I just think he's he's, not, he's he's not. He's not got afraid no to speak his mind. His voice. He's not
1: afraid to speak his mind. Look what he did in the press conference, basically calling out the Marlins organization. I, he's, I, like I said, he put that crap behind him. He called out the Marlins organization. He got everything off of his chest, including his shirt for the cover of Men's Health. And he said, I'm putting this crap behind me. Now I'm going to just play baseball for the Yankees. But I think he has a big personality, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that.
2: I mean, Nick Swisher has a big personality. Uh, that's, I, I'm thinking of you know, people who are way more outgoing. Like, he's still a stoic. Bryce like, Harper has a big uh, he's personality. He's more reserved. Bryce no, Harper. I don't think he does. I don't oh, think God. Bryce Harper has a big personality. All right, all right, well, he doesn't talk that much. All right, this is this conversation. Is, he's is, cocky.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, let's talk about Stanton actually what he's doing on the field. And he hit on his first home run of spring. It was a little bit right center field. He's
2: only been hitting the ball to right
1: field. Do you make anything of
2: that? I think it's good. I think it's a very good sign when you see a guy this early in spring training going the opposite way. I mean, that was something that he had worked on. I remember seeing interviews and stuff when he, when he shortened his stance um, and really closed it off. Going the other way is, I mean, he's set up to do that, I think, a lot more easy, easy now with his body position as well. But, you know, it's it's impressive to watch. When, uh, when, when he does the way that he could just swat at the ball, because like I've been talking about, you know when we were watching the game yesterday, like the way that he, if you're watching him now and we all are, and we're all studying now, you know, how he swings and like his approach and things like that. It's just such, it's such an easy, compact, short swing. And he doesn't do much with his lower half. He just kind of gets his body in position and, and not like a overexertion by any means. And just swats at the ball, and it goes a mile. It's a, it's, it's, it's pretty fun to watch.
1: Well, the thing, it, the thing I'm thinking about is because pitchers are going to attack him in just like they attack Judge in. When you're, when you've got a body of that size, the way to get them out is crowd them. If you throw it out over the plate, they can extend their arms, and then the baseball is going to go a million miles. Like you're going to get absolutely crushed. So, so with Stanton's closed stance, does that? make him susceptible to some of the inside pitches if the pitchers are pounding him in with hard stuff in? Like, I don't I don't know the answer. Obviously not. He had an amazing second half last year. And at Yankee Stadium, if he's going to right field, that's a good thing because he's going to get even more. He's going to get some cheap home runs at Yankee Stadium. Like, I don't know. I think, um, I forget who did it. Like, StatCast or somebody put out the overlay of, like, Stanton's home runs. He wouldn't have had any more home runs at Yankee Stadium because Stanton doesn't hit them. Just over the wall. He hits him 50 feet over the wall. So it doesn't, right. it doesn't matter where it goes. But I have to imagine there's going to be some fly balls he hits to right field at Yankee Stadium that just go four or five rows deep, just like Aaron Judge did last year.
2: Well, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, when Aaron Judge was, was hitting those balls, w- what we've realized that when Aaron Judge was even not at, at the top of his game, and he talked a bunch about this, um, you know, when they're talking about the way his swing is and how, how long it's in the zone. I mean, even when he misses, he's getting the ball on the bat. And anytime a man of that size can, can get, make contact with the ball on the bat, you know, good things can happen. And those fly balls that would normally be out at most stadiums uh, that he's just kind of getting the ball, uh, get, throwing the barrel at the, um, at the ball on an outside pitch, they're going out of the stadium at Yankee stadium. So yep. yes, he's benefiting from that. And I think Stanton will too, I think some mistakes that Stanton um, that Stanton has will go out because of that short of that short porch and the fact that he can go the other way. So it it absolutely plays to his uh, his strengths. Like left field's not going to be a problem when he pulls the <laughs> ball. It's not going to be a problem because no. it's going to be out.
1: Yeah, one of the things I mentioned on the on the stream yesterday, and I f- I feel like I'm repeating myself, but at the same time, I realize not everyone heard it. Is that we were talking about how pitchers are going to attack both Judge and Stanton the same way? CC even mentioned it, I believe, on the R two C two podcast, where he said, "I was thinking, how would I try and get John Carl Stanton? Now, oh, it's the same way I would try and get." Aaron judge out just pound him in with stuff and, and try and crowd him get him to roll over and try and hit a ball weekly to the infield so I think the thing that Stanton and Judge are going to benefit most from each other is talking about how pitchers are attacking them
2: yeah I mean I think that's that's something that they're probably uh doing already just you know getting when they're working in the cage because they're so similar in the way that they um that they physically are you know there's there's a lot of like you said a lot of approaches are going to be be similar for for the pitchers but you know things. It, their swings look totally different. Like that's that's what's crazy yeah, that's to me. That's the that,
1: crazy thing is that their swings are so different. Their stances are so different.
2: Yeah, I mean, Stanton is totally closed off. Aaron Judge is, is much more open, much more open now. Yeah. Like, he's still closed off, but he closed much more open compared to Stanton. But he's closed off considerably to where he was before. I mean, you remember kind of par- first pa- half of the car- season,
1: he's kind of parallel. Like he's even first half
2: of the play. season, we were he was more closed off than he was in the second half. And we were always like, you know, why are you, why is he open back up? Why is that? Well, that's uh, the thing during the struggle. And it could have been because of that shoulder.
1: Exactly. We thought we were like, it doesn't, it seem like he's pulling off the ball more. And it's, he was favoring the shoulder. It was his left shoulder. That was hurt. So he was, he was trying to, he couldn't, Lead with the you, to hit the ball to the opposite field as a right-handed hitter. You have to lead with your right shoulder, or with your left shoulder. And Judge's shoulder was hurting him, so obviously he was he was doing things differently. Um, he mentioned Judge even hinted he's not going to do the home run derby again. I wonder if it really was because he hurt himself.
2: It's crazy. I mean, we we joked about this. Like, yeah, yeah. He, did we, did he really hurt himself in the in the derby? And you know. Maybe he did. I mean, maybe it was in, in the, uh, in that area, you know, it could, maybe it wasn't like at the Derby. It could have been afterwards. It could have been somewhere around that time when he wasn't playing baseball for a while and had that time off. But then you go hard for, you know, that short amount of time. It's different than what you normally do all year long. So look, he's, he's being very vague about it. Uh, So it's leading me to believe more and more that yeah he did hurt himself during the derby
1: if he does not i i I think judge probably was like i'm one and done i i proved i can win the derby i was the robot created to hit home runs in a home run derby and that's great one guy i think who really wants to win the home run derby is gary sanchez and i think that's because he kind of feels slighted with stanton and judge getting all of the uh all of the attention
2: yeah, I mean he's another guy that that has easy power that could go up and and is actually kind of built for those derbies. Like he could go up and just smash the ball. So, um, if uh, if, yeah, but the problem is now if he wins without Judge being in it, that's a conversation that'll always come up.
1: Yes, but it's like when
2: in a dunk competition back in the '90s, when, if Jordan's not in it,
1: does like, eh, it doesn't uh, really count? But uh, but Judge is such a nice guy that
2: he... I just compared Judge to Jordan. <laughs> that he indi- wants to, indirectly.
1: He wants to let... Uh, that's okay. Um, didn't we compare Jordan Montgomery to Clinton Kershaw yesterday?
2: Yeah. yeah, Almost, <laughs> uh, almost exact replicas. Uh,
1: Judge is such a nice guy that he wants to let his teammate... When he wants to let his teammate Gary get some some time in the spotlight.
2: Yeah, I think he should do. It. I mean, one of those three guys is 100% going to have to do it, right? So they're going to have... They're we're gonna have a, a guy in that derby. I think that's not something that Yankee fans are gonna miss out on. And I think we're lucky now that we have a whole bunch of uh, dudes who can hit a home run. I'd like to see Bird in the. I was gonna in say the, uh, in the derby. Would Bird ever do it? Maybe. Depends. Uh, depends where it is. Depends on how uh, good of a season he's having. God knows he he uh, is an injury risk for the derby though, and that will be the topic of discussion if he ever er, ever tried to enter that thing. <laughs> like brittle bird trying to enter the derby after after Aaron judge just gets, you know, the, uh, the 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 suspicion of judge getting hurt in the derby the year before. I don't know.
1: We could get a solid three hours of podcast material out of will uh, will Greg Berg get injured doing a home run derby.
2: Yeah, there's a million things that could happen with him. So, yeah, I don't want him to do it.
1: I mentioned Montgomery. So Boone. Named him the fifth starter without officially naming him the fifth starter. He said, I see it as his job. And really, who else is it going to be other than Jordan Montgomery? Monty is going to be the fifth starter. No surprises there. Why do you think they're not, like, officially announcing it? Like, he has a place in the rotation. Do you think it's just because? I
2: think it's just an un- unsaid. It's a. I mean, he's the fifth starter. He's always been the fifth starter, hasn't he? What, but, what yeah, has they're, led they're, anything I mean, to believe that, that he is not the fifth starter? Like, nothing zero things have come up that says he's not the fifth starter there's nobody else there Chad green's not a starter like maybe he would have been one of the guys that if he actually had stayed um as a starter and they were they were legitimately serious about making him a starting pitcher but that's not that's not the case
1: so you know so, how in the first two weeks of the season because there's extra off days you can actually get away with four starting pitchers yeah do you think the Yankees do that or will they have five
2: I mean I think they'll have five if the if the schedule works out I think they'll still go five I mean I don't think they're gonna they're they're gonna try to uh to I, I think Aaron Boone is gonna try to get into his um into his regimens as early as possible. Uh, I don't know how the schedule plays out. Like does it work out where the off days yeah, uh, allow because, for the four games? Because yeah, I know some teams are doing the, that.
1: The deal is when you play although usually the season starts on a Monday and this year it's starting on a Thursday. So I don't know. It about depends
2: that. on the team and the schedule because I know there's a um I forget who we just played that's going with four, but it's all because Tampa. of their schedule. It's Tampa, yeah, that's right.
1: Tampa um Kevin Cash said that they're gonna they are gonna at least start the season with four starters and bullpen, which is but that uh, means
2: nothing. I mean, it's just because of the way that they're scheduled. I think they have like eight days off in a very short amount of time. Brian
1: Kenny's wet dream.
2: Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, it doesn't matter. There are no starters for four pitchers. <laughs> yeah. Don't call them starters.
1: No, but I think it used to be. I don't know how the schedule is this year, because, again, like I said, it's starting on a weird day. But it used to start on a Monday, but then you always used to have an off day for no reason the next day. So it was sort of and then the next time you would always start at home on a Monday and then you'd play away the following Monday. But it would be some other team's home opener. And then they right. would have an off day after that, so it was like two, you'd have an off, two off days you wouldn't normally have in the first like ten days of the season.
2: Either way, I just don't think it was. This is what was bothering me so much in the offseason is that, you know, all the speculation about adding a starter when we have a, a perfectly a perfectly good fifth starter in Jordan Montgomery, who was a rookie last year, who showed extremely well, who I have no. No doubt he's going to go out there and has put in the work and is is trying to get better. Like the kid seems like he's got the the tools to put things together. I mean I like him as a pitcher. I really do. So I, I never really understood the whole um, let's add somebody because if we ever added somebody, that means Jordan Montgomery doesn't have a spot at that point. And, and I don't really get that.
1: Well, how do you feel with considering the deals that have been handed out this week? Like Arietta just today as we – before we recorded got three years, 75 million bucks, which is – pretty substantial annual money from the Phillies and Lance Lynn got one year, 12 million bucks.
2: Yeah, that's, I mean, people are pining that the Yankees should have gone. You look at the contracts, look at the, what the, how the deals came out. Like, I don't think Arietta was in play. Uh, I don't think they ever should have. I think the two guys that the Yankees were potentially looking at really, um, well, after Cole, after Cole got dealt, uh, that would maybe make sense if, if you're on that side of the argument is Cobb, and um, and Lance Lynn, I, but they I think were never those, linked those to either guys. of
1: those guys. But, but they you,
2: were never linked to them. But those they would were, be the type of guy, right? Son and Arrieta.
1: Yet they were vaguely linked to you, Darvish,
2: right? And to me, again, this was going back to Brian Cashman saying, "Okay, I don't need you, but if I could get you on my terms, I'll I'll, I'll contemplate it and I'll, I'll at least like listen to what's going on." To me, that was the whole play. Like Brian Cashman was just going out there doing his job and. And he was saying, "This is what I have to offer," and kind of feeling the waters out and seeing where they were. And if 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 a, a guy like you, Darvish, fell in their lap, worked out with the salary, and he was able to stand to the luxury tax and set himself up, then then he could think about it seriously. But only when it only if it fell in his lap and on his terms. So that's it. Like he was the guy that potentially going after Arietta. You've seen a drop off over the past few years. The fastball yeah. velocity's down. Like he's returning back. I'm surprised. I personally wanted to see him make a return to Baltimore and just suck again. So it would have been a total full circle of a baseball career. It would have been beautiful.
1: I think it's actually a really good move for the Phillies, though, because they get it's only three years. So if he really, really sucks, which he's not going to really suck because he's still a solid pitcher, at least they're not locked in long term. And the Phillies, like, they've done a lot. The Phillies are trying to win,
2: obviously, and they're young. Well, they're also very young too. So they have they have having a vet like that, a guy that could come in and and make a because they, they got a pretty good haul when they when they sent um, Hamels. What's his face? Yeah, but and also the uh, the closer for the um, the Astros from the Phillies. They got a, a bunch of starting pitchers, uh, so they, they have a young team and and a lot of good you know, like a lot of good prospects moving forward. So I think when you have a, a guy like Arietta who can come in and, and basically anchor a staff of young guys, it's a good move for sure. Yeah. And I mean, it's a relatively friendly contract for a guy like him. I mean, if yeah. we're considering what uh, of contracts past.
1: Yeah, it's high AAV, but it's three years. So exactly. So yeah, I, I actually, I wouldn't have liked that contract for the Yankees, but that's not because of uh, the three years it would be because they would be over the luxury tax at that point.
2: Yeah. this it doesn't make sense. That wouldn't have been a, it wouldn't have been a fit. Like you said, the average, the average annual um, salary, it would have blown every, all of the plans out of the water that were Brian Cashman and the Steinbrenners have been trying to do. So look, they stayed to the plan and that's fine. I, 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 I still will never understand why everybody was so up in arms and, and, and saying that the Yankees need to go out and bolster the rotation, make it better. Because if you're doing that, then one of these guys is going. And Jordan Montgomery certainly does not, deserve to be in AAA right now at you know all.
1: What i honestly think i think some yankee fans are just plain stupid and they look and they see they brought in john carlo stan i know that guy hey that's a name i know oh did he just win the national league mvp so we added the nl mvp to the offensive side what are we doing for the pitching side we're not adding anybody what the hell brian cash why aren't we adding anybody it's just headlines yeah. they didn't make any headlines in the rotation
2: I guess. I mean, they did because Tanaka resigned. So Tanaka. No, that back. wasn't
1: that wasn't a headline though. That was like, oh, Tanaka it, resigned. So that's on that's on like page five of the newspaper. No yeah, one reads newspapers de- anymore anyway. That's. Uh, I was going to say, who's who's written <laughs> the newspaper? That's just slipped and, and in there's on no Twitter. five pages of a sports section. It's <laughs> slipped in on Twitter.
2: The uh, the thing is, is when you look at Tanaka though, like that that is a, a signing. Uh, that's a guy that could have very well been off the team. That is now back on the team. Um, so it's a big deal. They signed Sabathia. Another signing. So there are there there were things that happened. Sonny Gray came over in the middle of the year. Another freaking potential. We know ace. this.
1: You and I know this. 99% of the listeners right now know this. But there's still a lot of people out there who are casual fans. Who here on sports radio? I need the bullp- I need the uh, rotation upgraded. Why aren't the Yankees updated? Well, by- I mean,
2: you have you have your 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 guy that your guy or girl Yankee fan who wants to superstar at every single position. Like those people exist, and it's just not it's not a practical way to and go. Do you remember it's that just,
1: not. just failing miserably in the mid two thousands?
2: Yeah, and and how about all the young guys in the early. Uh, in the mid '90s to the late '90s, that actually did well. And how about the the youth movement that we have right now in the position players of the guys that we brought up through the system that have done very well? Why are we not giving Jordan Montgomery that next step? He was good last year. It's not like he was bad. He wasn't bad. He was good. Did he? Uh, I mean, and we have kids that are coming up. Someone's talking about um, Anthony's talking about Adams and Sheffield coming in the rotation. Like, yeah, these guys are on the horizon. For 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 ne- probably not this year. Maybe Adams. We'll see. I don't think we'll see Sheffield this year. But they're on the – they're they're there. They're coming up. We have prospects that are, are trying to take that next step and uh, and look like they have big league talent. Jordan Montgomery finished sixth in rookie of the year voting last year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Earlier, uh, ten minutes ago or so, you mentioned Aaron Boone trying to get in his rhythm. He was not in his rhythm. There's some trouble in paradise. On Saturday afternoon, Batances had to go out for a second inning of work because Boone did not communicate efficiently enough, his words – that Adam Warren was coming in the game next. What do you think about that?
2: Um, I don't think much of it. I think it's spring training, uh, and and he's a very he's literally a brand new manager. So brain farts like this are going to happen. Miscommunications are going to happen. I'm glad he's getting them out of the way right now. Do you
1: know why it happened?
2: Uh, because he's a brand new manager no. and was having a conversation. He was acting like he was uh, broadcasting the game.
1: Yes, he was talking to Michael Kay, and. Um, Oh, it was it was one
2: of those. It was in yeah, between innings. I think yeah. it was that inning.
1: It's like he's doing all these interviews in between innings. He's not paying attention to what's going on because he's chatting with Michael K. and who was the other flat? Was Flaherty doing the uh, the broadcast yesterday? I can't remember. I but, was
2: listening to it, so I don't know.
1: But um, yeah, I, I really think that's why he he had a brain fart.
2: I mean, that's that's fine. It's going to happen. It's spring training. It's not that big of a deal. Um, but Batansis probably needed the work it's, anyway.
1: It's only spring <laughs> training. But if something like that actually did happen in, a, in the regular season, he's going to get a lot of shit for it.
2: Yeah. Uh, there's going to be little things that people are going to give Aaron Boone shit for because they are going to be uh, small managerial things. And hopefully they're not big ones, but small so managerial things that he overlooks. It's going to happen. How many minor things like this before we
1: start to really get angry?
2: Uh, it depends on how they see. We all have to understand that if it if it makes a difference in the game, if it makes them if it causes them to lose a game or it causes them some something goes wrong or a guy gets hurt because of it or something along these lines, then it will be immediate. If they are just passes and, and nothing happens, then there's going to be a rope. But we're all emotional fans. <laughs> so when these things start happening and we start seeing them, there's not going to be much like if you're look, asking on the fan side, Probably not that much. There's going to be a little leeway. But the, the, the bottom line is, is, if they're winning and it's not a causing you know, too much havoc on the game, which I 100% don't expect, we'll be all right. But as you
1: well know, it, even if it doesn't have a direct result on that night's game, what if it affects the next game? What if Patances couldn't pitch the next night because he threw too many pitches on the previous night because he had to come out because Adam Warren wasn't warmed up?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's so many other things like that that Joe Girardi would do by warming up a guy too much. You know, that that, that we didn't even know about that he wouldn't be available. So that like, shit would never happen. All, it's
1: all gonna happen. That's that would never happen even in spring training with Joe Girardi. But well, I Joe think Girardi
2: also managed the team for ten years, and he was and a he bench was a, coach, and he was and he was a manager before that. Yeah. So he's got a ton of experience. Like, where well, this is gonna happen? This is where everybody needs to get their. Uh, everybody has to put their expectation hat on and make sure they're completely in line. Because there are going to be bumps in the road with Aaron Boone. It's not going to be perfect. It's not. He's a brand new manager with a very young team. Shit's going to happen. It's going to be weird. And and things are probably going to be bad at some point. They're going to go through a losing streak. And it it's going to be even escalated. Any of his little mannerisms that are new and people don't like. So this stuff is going to happen. This is not going to be. I think a lot of people have have like their, like their rosy glasses on ready for like just Pure bliss all year long because you, this team is exciting you, and young. You are
1: all in on Aaron Boone.
2: I am, but I I also have my expectations in line, knowing that there's going to be things like this that happen. Yeah, so you're going to
1: give them a pa- you're going to give them a couple passes.
2: I'm not going to I'm all I will acknowledge what they are, but I'm not going to kill them immediately unless it's just something that's totally ridiculous. I see my expectations are in line. I think I know that shit like that's going to happen. I I get it. Like I know that those things are going to happen. So, you know, I'm expecting them, and I, I don't think I won't be as <laughs> you know crazy lunatic emotional about them if i think that they're not going to happen
1: should those things actually happen though like you have It's not it's just human nature yes but it's, it's not experience. just the manager you have the pitching coach you have the bench coach you have all these coaches and bullpen uh coaches and bullpen catchers and there's a thousand guys in that dugout and in that clubhouse who can tell someone hey get your ass up stretch you're coming. you're coming in this game be ready
2: yeah I mean, I think that would happen more likely in the regular season. You'll have probably a guy who is everybody's going to have a job. Everybody's going to have their their delegated, you know, tasks for for a given game. And, yeah, I think there'll be help. I think you're going to see a lot of um, Larry Rothschild leaning on him for pitching, like not leaning on him in that way, but leaning on him in the sense of like this, you know, as, as a mentor uh, for, a, for a lot of those things. So, look, just just know that the, these things are going to happen. But That's it'll fair. be okay because he's going to be a, a hell of a manager. That's fair. And Aaron Boone is a big personality. <clears throat> oh, God.
1: How can you call Aaron Boone a big personality but not uh, Giancarlo Stanton?
2: Because he's outgoing. I think as someone who is – I don't think Giancarlo Stanton is very outgoing.
1: <sighs> Whatever. Uh, a couple of injury updates. Tyler Wade rolled his wrist. That was scary on Saturday. We were watching the game uh, during the live stream. He he acted like he broke his wrist. And then like 30 seconds went by and he's stretching. He's like, okay, it's fine. But for a minute there, for a second there, it looked like Wade really screwed his wrist up.
2: Yeah, I saw him. Uh, I think it was a quote from Brian Hoke when he was talking with Wade, saying that when he did roll on it and initially, he thought it was, you know, he felt it go into the ground, the glove going to the ground. It got caught in the grass uh, and he felt it. Um, and then, he got scared because he thought it was something a lot more uh, and then got up and started flexing it and realized that it wasn't. So it was, I, I have, I've been there, like, you, you know, when you like, if you're playing basketball or something and you like jam a thumb and you're, yeah. like, you're like, I thought I broke my finger. Yeah. And then you, you start working it out a little bit and you're like, oh, I'm good. Never mind.
1: And he tweeted after the game that he's okay. And it was, it was, it sucked because wade's having a pretty solid spring and as we were sort of kicking around ideas yesterday for the infield he actually has a chance to be on the team leaving spring training
2: oh there's no doubt and you know it's it's not a thing that's really affecting him anyway so he's 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 all good to go and i you know i'm just i'm glad that it's not a big deal because it would have been a shame For something like that to to derail a guy who's got a potential. It reminds me of what happened to Brian Mitchell when he was going out there and vying for that for that fifth spot, what, two years ago, three years ago? Yes. And he got that turf toe injury. He was going to be the long
1: man in the like he was going to be actually used in that bullpen because he had such an amazing spring and he had the turf toe and he was out for three months and he was never the same. He never really came back from it. And actually maybe it was a blessing in disguise because two years later he was the reason that the the Padres took thirteen million dollars of Chase Headley's contract.
2: (laughs) Yeah, your boys gone now because of Ryan Mitchell being bad. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, a uh, it, it's, it's a good thing that it, it really wasn't a serious injury. And, and I'm glad because, you know, you want a guy to, to kind of like either make the team or not make the team on their terms. And, right. and, and obviously an injury derailing that is just, it's just a crappy way to, to end it if it were to be so, but that's not the case.
1: Ellsbury's still not doing anything because of his oblique issue. This might last forever. So that's good news. And it really then, might last <laughs> forever. It might linger on. This might be the end of elsewhere. This oblique and another lingering thing, which is bad news is Clint Fraser's concussion. He's calling his cats the wrong names. He says he's having trouble driving. I actually read something, um, where they were talking about should players be speaking to the media who are recovering from concussion symptoms. And the argument was no. Like, it's not fair to these guys. They, they're likely to say something stupid.
2: They're confused?
1: Yeah. And, and Cashman was actually saying, like, I think his comments make it sound like he's having a worse time recovery than what his actual symptoms are. Yeah. But the fact remains, Clint Frazier, It's been two weeks, two plus weeks. When did he actually? It was like two weeks ago he hit his head it was, Yeah, him. it was about that. And he's still only doing like basic baseball drills, and he's calling his cats the wrong name.
2: Yeah, calling your cats the wrong name—that's that's pretty like brutal. Fluff, um,
1: fluffy and and
2: and just yeah. muffins. <laughs> he probably has dogs actually, and he just thinks they're cats. But yeah. the <laughs> the um. It's it's you know, it's just one of those things you don't mess with. It's uh, the dealing with the head. And if he still if he still has these lingering effects, then, you know, take your time. man. again, this is another one of those things so, where yeah, he's you got a guy thinking, like Ellsbury who's hurt. Yes. And Clint Frazier has a perfect opportunity to show that he can be a guy and contribute right now. Uh, he's missing an opportunity because of injury. So, yeah, he's probably we're,
1: very pissed at himself. Not at himself, but he's very, probably very pissed Frustrated at the with the situation he's in yeah. because he has a chance now to be the fourth outfielder because Ellsbury's out with an injury. He could be out there proving himself. Otherwise, yeah. he's sitting on the bench.
2: Right. No, it's um, it sucks. It's, it's it's not good. And and you know who's out there, in lighting it up, who plays the outfield and actually plays first base too is a guy named Billy McKinney. Who yep. is interesting. If you're looking at the guy at a guy who's a fourth outfielder, or everybody's been talking about Clint Frazier, Clint Frazier, Clint Frazier, Clint Frazier, well, watch out, because there's going to be a battle if, uh, if they're both in AAA. I'm very curious to see who puts up better numbers, and it would not surprise me if we see Billy McKinney going in there and light it up and, and actually sh- show better on the field. It wouldn't surprise me. And the fact that he has the flexibility, I don't know. There's, a, there, there's going to be some interesting things that happen in Scranton this year. Can Frazier play first? No. People were trying to get him to play third base at some yeah. point in the offseason. Remember that? That was a fun little conversation. No, he cannot. He he's a left fielder. He he pretty much uh he could play the outfield. He says he he, he told he went up to Boone. I love this though about him. He went up to Boone, he's like, you know, I could play center field. If if this if the center field job is open for competition, put me in, coach. I could play center field as well. I mean, you gotta love that. You gotta love the fact that he wants to play wherever he can to to try to uh, you know give more value to the team and show that he can do it because he wants to be on this team badly. That's, that's very much understood. Um, Billy McKinney does too though.
1: What do you think? Moving on to free agency news, Moustakas also signed, he signed a a contract with the Royals for five and a half million bucks. He can make 2.2 extra million dollars in performance bonuses. And then there's a mutual option, which you don't see very often for 2019 for 15 million plus 1 million dollar buyout. So essentially it's like a 6.5 6. million 6. with 2.2 2 in incentives. Exactly. 6.5 million guaranteed. No <laughs> it's crazy. He turned down 17 million dollar qualifying offer.
2: Right. The, the he, dude hit 38 bombs. He hit 38 home runs. He hit like 275 I think last year. He plays a good defense. Plays a good third base. That's it's it's uh it's pretty crazy to me that he is going back to Kansas City on a deal like that. Like I'm I'm firing Scott Boris at that point, right? Like you're you're coming in. This and you, You're advising Boris, me on how to do things. This what?
1: happened. Boris and this happened with Boris and Stephen Drew too, where Boris yeah. told Stephen Drew to turn down. I think it was from the Red Sox. Like turn down like twenty something million guaranteed over a couple of years. I'm gonna get you more than that. And then he ended up re-signing with Boston for like four million bucks
2: yeah, well, that's exactly where he should have signed, if I mean, for the amount. Like that was probably more accurate. But um it's it's bad advice. I mean, if you know the this what's going on with in, in free agent, it seems like the agent should have caught with a whiff of what was going to be happening and what the market, the temperature of the market was this year. It doesn't seem like it was a big surprise. You know, there were so many guys waiting and waiting and waiting. They, you know, as an agent, if you're my That's easy, agent, to like, say I, now. I want you to I guess so, but I still want you to to be having conversations with people to, to gauge interest on things well beforehand. So you you have to if you're turning down an offer like that, you kind of have to know what you're walking into, don't you?
1: So do you think the the Yankees should have been in on Moustakis at at six and a half guaranteed? Um y- remember yeah. the big thing with him though, there was a pick associated with him. There was a draft pick associated with him. Right.
2: Well, I, I see the fact that they, he, uh, that Cashman went and got Drury, um, to me makes that more of a moot point because I like the deal for Drury as well. Like I think, yeah. I think the most, and the Drury deal is more of a long-term play. It adds, it adds so much more flexibility to the Yankees roster and he's controlled. So, I, and he's a good player. Like I like that move better. Um, maybe for one year, Mustakas is a better play, you know, for at third base, but you know, when you could get a guy like Drury for for what he did, I, I mean, I think I take that deal um, over the Mustakas thing. But Moustakas. I mean, reading more about the Mustakas, he didn't even get an offer.
1: It's crazy. That's on the agent. It's crazy. He would have handcuffed the Yankees more than Drury's handcuffing them. And then right now we'd be saying, "Oh shit!" Like Anduar is lighting it up, but right. we have to play Mustakas. I mean, that's not necessarily a bad. It wouldn't thing.
2: have been a problem. Mustakas would have been a beast in the lineup. Maybe,
1: and who knows if they signed Mustakas, maybe they trade Andwar.
2: I mean, I guess, but it's a one-year deal. You're looking at a one-year deal, a rental. So I think long-term plans I don't still really change think, I still if think they, is there.
1: I think everything – I mean, shit could be out the window next year if Manny Machado is out there.
2: That's true. There, there are things that could happen. I mean, there, I just don't know how many more trades Brian Cashman can make to this roster and improve it you know, greatly without without shuffling around players that really don't need to be shuffled.
1: It's fascinating, though, what has ended up signing for. And uh, Jared Diamond, who we've had on the podcast a couple times, wrote something about Paul DeHong, who signed a contract extension with the Cardinals for $26 bucks guaranteed. And DeHong has only played in the, in the majors for one year. So it was a, a lot of money guaranteed to a player who's not even close to arbitration and has only played one year. But DeHong is sitting there saying, I, uh, you're going to pay me $26 million guaranteed? That's more than enough money for me. Lock me up through my arbitration years. I'm a little afraid of what could be uh, coming up for me in free agency. So Diamond was kind of uh, theorizing maybe more young players do this because they don't want to find themselves in a situation where it's finally their big payday and no one is willing to give them the dough.
2: Yeah. Well, I think this is – this year – this offseason is going to be a very big awakening of what's happening. And, you know, we, we've seen baseball go through trends, right? Baseball trends around and like goes through different cycles and, and it gets very like fatty and like what's cool and what's, what's hip at the moment. And young players right now are, are, there's a lot of talent coming up, you know, that could dry out. There may be a, a couple of year years span where there just isn't as much talent in the minor leagues. And then you're seeing more of these free agents get signed. So it's, it's going to ebb and flow. I think like, like it always has. So, you know, you're definitely putting a lot of um, a lot of chance when you when you're saying like, one, there's two things that have to happen. You have to perform through these years as well to get those contracts. So if you're getting this money after a year and you're getting a twenty six million dollar guarantee before you're even really showing like all the things you can do and then you're playing for that next contract. It's kind of a, it's kind of a well, it's, you know, as it's, a young guy, it, it, it's 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 enticing.
1: Well, it's it's not maximizing his earning potential. It's not. But it's, but it's it's it's, it's enticing at the his, moment it's securing his i mean let's face
2: it but that's a risk you know 26 when you're million dollars is value is that's that there's a lot of ifs in, yes, that, in that whole he could in that blow sentence. out
1: his acl and right. he could never be the same and yes. then his career earnings are 500k and, right. and but and that would be a horrible situation and 26 million dollars is so much freaking money like right. like i actually respect paul dehong's i believe i call him dejong dehong the home. i respect him for saying dude 26 million bucks are you kidding me like what is the quality of life difference between 26 million dollars and 90 million dollars it's a it's not it's way closer at those numbers than 500 thousand and 26 million
2: i mean this is this is a really boring conversation if you're gonna have this and, and talk more about it but Honestly, you get $26 million when you're at this age and rather than waiting, you take that money and you have a guy that knows what they're doing and invest that money, that money will multiply many, many times. And, you know, who knows what it could be if you wait and you're not collecting, um, you know, you're, you're gaining whatever the percentage is on top of your, the, the money that you're putting away, you know, what, five years down the road, you're going to get a better contract. Okay. Is it worth it? Some would say no. Right. Depending right. on how you invest that,
1: I think it's a fascinating thing to talk about for two reasons. One, because the Yankees have a lot of players who are young who could be looking to do something like that, like Gary Sanchez, Luis Severino, Aaron Judge, Greg Bird, and also two. All of this could be out the window next year when Manny Machado signs for three hundred million dollars and Bryce Harper signs for three hundred million dollars.
2: It's going to be so interesting when we after when we uh, when we go through next year. And it's all said and done, and we know where everybody is for for how much money they are, and then we compare that to what happened this year, and really just kind of look at the uh, the the situation right in, at free agency at that moment. Just take a snapshot of the two years and what happened, because there's going to be so many things that it's gonna it's gonna uh, it's gonna sway the market in a way that isn't realistic as well. So people are going to be expecting these bigger contracts coming in, you know, going into 2020, and all the money's going to be dried up because people spent it and it's going to be a totally different story. So it could revert right back to people saving and saying, yeah, I'm not spending if they didn't get the big guys. Although when you look at 2020, that class is pretty nice too. Like there's a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. How many times did we say Arnauto was in next year's class, but he's actually in 2020.
1: 2020.
2: Um, there's a, there's a bunch of guys in that class too. So it's going to be interesting because I think there's a spending spree coming up. And I think that's one of the big reasons why don't forget we're about not the, seeing a lot
1: the class of 2021. Jacoby Ellsbury is a part of that.
2: Oh, big time. People are definitely <laughs> saving their pennies for that kid
1: um let's give away some t-shirts we uh we scalded the listeners last week for not for not bringing the heat on the reviews but we got some good ones this week
2: yes the um all right so i'm gonna read this first one and we didn't change the font again so now it's all grayed out still and it's very difficult to read okay here we go first one uh we got two winners I want to say thank you, first of all, before I read these and give these away. Thank you very much to everybody who reviewed. We do this because it means a lot to us. It really helps us out in the, in, the, um, in the rankings, in iTunes. More people can listen to the show and that's important to us. We do this because we love doing it, so we want to talk to as many of you guys as possible. We're building a community around Bronx Pinstripes, uh, so we're doing that. Um, so thank you again for reviewing. If you haven't reviewed, please do so. It really means a lot to us um, and we truly appreciate it. Alright, two winners this week. The first one, this is an, a, a long, so stay with me on this one, but it's freaking hilarious and uh, it's got to win. So it's by, um, he says pretty good. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Five stars by Tim Senate, like Bennett with an S. He says, you want a good Yankees podcast. He says, you want a good Yankees podcast? I said, do you want a good Yankees podcast? Well, look no further. Bronx Penn drives might as well stand or BP might as well stand for best podcast because that's exactly what this is. And here's how I know one, Listen to this podcast. I listen to this podcast with such devotion that Andrew and Scott show up in my dreams where where we are all best friends. And uh we're all best friends. Two, I even find myself finishing their sentences. Three, Andrew and Scott, if Andrew and Scott, if it was Andrew and Scott versus the Yankees in the World Series, I would actually root for Andrew and Scott. Four, that was listening, my favorite to, this, one. listening to the podcast <laughs> with headphones on is the only reason why I never heard my dad's last words to me unbelievable five Scott Ryan is my go to write in candidate for all NYC elections bad choice six I used to read kids to my bedtimes in bed kids bedtime stories now I just play them on the podcast and make them stay awake to listen to the entire thing seven I have called my wife Andy during sex more times than I'm comfortable admitting okay eight uh, number eight My friends roll their eyes every time I say that reminds me of this one time on the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Number nine, the friends that are left anyway. Number 10, my secret handshake with Scott and Andrew is so secret, they don't even know it yet. Look, that round
1: of applause for Tim, because I don't believe any of those 10 things, but I love the creativity.
2: That's good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's a little weird that we're in your dreams, but you know, slightly stalkerish. I'll be your best friend.
1: Uh, so Tim, uh, DM us. You're gonna get a T-shirt. The next one is uh, titled "Awesome Show" by Quad with like 40 A's and D's. Great podcast for Yankees fans. Golden ratio of hot takes to reasonable thoughts, just to keep you on your toes. Yet to be seen which category 19 and 0 against the Rays falls into. That was also pretty creative.
2: Very good, very good. And if you didn't, uh, if you don't understand that. Um, I will accept nothing less than the Yankees being 19-0 against the Tampa Bay Devil Rays this year mm-hmm. because they're an abomination of the uh, baseball team. And
1: we believe they play 18 games against the Rays.
2: Or 18-0, whatever. Yeah.
1: Uh, All right. Before we get to mailbags, guys, are you buying tickets or buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better way to buy. And that's with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of event. Whether you're searching for a last minute deal, planning a night out with friends or need to find the perfect gift. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats and the best at the best prices. And they're fully guaranteed. I use SeatGeek very recently. Scott, get this. I took the lady to to a Broadway show. Use SeatGeek.
2: So, oh, so I class good up seats. Bit. Easy seats. There you go. Yeah,
1: very, very easy. Got it right on my phone. They grade the tickets, So, you know, if you're getting a good deal and like I said, they're fully guaranteed. So you're not getting ripped off. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. Uh, make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket from sports to concert to comedy and theater. Like I said, theater class it up. Take your lady to a Broadway play. Best of all, our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. To do this, download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code BRONX today. Again, that's the promo code BRONX for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Moving on to mailbags. Alex Filippone, who was on our live stream yesterday, says, how do you think Boone will use the bullpen? Will Batanza still be a setup man? Will Robertson be a setup man since he's the best option to replace Chapman if need be? Or will he be the fireman role since he's proven he can handle it?
2: Uh, what roles would you give to all the relievers? So I really think – I think that we're going to see some different stuff obviously from the, in the bullpen from years past. I mean I hope so honestly. But I, I have a gut feeling that Aaron Boone is not going to be going in with completely set – Positions except for Rawlins Chapman. I think Rawlins Chapman is going to be the closer. He's going to pitch primarily in the ninth inning. Probably not going to see him outside that ninth inning, most likely, most of the time. Maybe a rare occasion. Who knows if he needs work or something like that? But I think he's going to be in the ninth inning. I think primarily we're going to see, you know, Batancas is going to walk in, I think, as the eighth inning guy, primarily. I don't think he's going to be set in that role because there are so many guys that can go in. Tommy Canley could do it. D-Rob could do it. Chad Green could do it. Like, we have guys that can pitch in the eighth, eighth inning with no issue. That's why I think that he's going to use the rest of these guys as more of a, a situation basis and say, like, matchups. Like, we, we talked about this, right? Everybody's saying Aaron Boone was brought in here because of the numbers. It's a numbers game. He knows the numbers. He's going to do all these things. So then why would he then... Lock one guy in or lock multiple guys into multiple innings. doesn't make sense. The if only that's reason, the, one of the big reasons why they're doing that, They wouldn't. why wouldn't they play matchups?
1: The only reason would be if a guy says, I like n- knowing I'm pitching the seventh inning because I have a certain timetable I like to stretch and get my work in and then be ready for the seventh inning every night. That's the only yeah. reason. Boone said uh, – Nobody's co- saying that. No, I agree. But I, I was saying if if there was a reason, that's a reason. Um, Boone said the other day, he's like, we, we love our bullpen. We feel we have a lot of guys who can put out fires. So I think you're going to see on a nightly basis, anybody coming out of the bullpen. Maybe he goes to the hot hand. Maybe Robertson has been pitching lights out. He needs to get out of a bases loaded gym. I mean, Robertson, we know what he can do with the bases loaded. Like this dude is Houdini. He gets off on on guys on base. Like that's when he's at his best, when he is back up against the wall.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing. I I think we talked about this last week. He he showed so much. He showed very differently last year, at the end of last year and into the playoffs, with the fact that he can go in there and throw a ton of pitches and multiple innings, we just never saw that side of D. Rob before. He was a closer, and, though. He was a closer. He was a closer. I'm saying, but but we've never seen that. So right. the, now that you, you kind of know what he is, uh, and he's totally fine with doing it, it seems like he's like, you know, do it. I'm I'm ready for this. I'll, I'll do whatever the team wants. Um, he's just one of those guys. So I, I, I was impressed by that. We know what Chad Green can do. Chad Green is can pitch. Pretty much any any time last year. The one thing I'll, I'll say about Chad Green that will be interesting this year is that uh, I don't think throughout the entire year. Right. He never pitched on back to back days. Correct. Never. So, did. So that was one thing. And we, we know he could throw multiple innings. He could throw two innings, but Girardi never had him throw on back to back days. So I'll be curious to see if if he does come out and, and show that he's if Patantis is still struggling and Chad Green is starting to take that eighth inning role. I want to see how that how that plays into it. Um, if he's actually going to be throwing him back-to-back. So I'm curious on Boone's stance for that. Uh, But it'll be interesting. I mean, there's just so many weapons you have out there that it's hard to make a bad decision, honestly.
1: And we didn't mention last week the Scranton shuttle, which I think is something they're going to use a ton of as well, bringing up the last guy in the bullpen, sending him up, uh, sending him down just so they can get fresh arms in there. Like Ben Heller is going to be in that role, Jonathan Holder, Domingo Herman, maybe Gallegos, Albert Abreu, Domingo Acevedo. These are just a bunch of names you might see come up in that Scranton shuttle.
2: Yeah. And those guys, like you said, I think they're going to have, you're going to see some mixing in and out, especially on on the home series where they can get a guy um, up. Um, And in lopsided games, you're going to see some of these guys go in and just, you know, they're going to be burned. They're going to be burned and another guy will come up. I don't know how often we'll see that early on. They'll probably try to set some roles, but you are going to start seeing that like come into July. No doubt. Yep
1: yep and um Louis I didn't mention because I think Sessa's is gonna be used as this the starter who comes up on this grand shuttle
2: I think Sessa's is probably the guy that they're they're definitely gonna be looking for um as like a their swing guy if they need someone to come up and 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 throw um you know a start he's probably the guy that they they want and again, man, for whatever reason he's just he he's not he hasn't really shown it he hasn't shown it he didn't show it last year he's in
1: between right now you could tell sp- he's like just on the cusp.
2: Yeah. I've always said he's got the tools to do it. It's a matter of him executing pitches and, you know, having the between the ears uh, of a major league pitcher. Um hopefully he can put it together because I do think he's a, a talented pitcher.
1: Question from Jeremy, who is the one player the Yankees absolutely can't lose to a major injury this season?
2: Yeah, and I think we both agree on this. I think the one guy that stands out to me is Gary Sanchez. I mean, I think I think when you look at the you know how valuable he is being the catcher, being the um you know the important part of the battery uh, his defense is pr- you know we're all we're seeing uh, hopefully some he's been working with Sonny Gray a lot which is awesome mm-hmm. because Sonny Gray throws a ton of junk um, I love that. takes and,
1: and like is somebody who might, uh, who Sanchez might have to go out and talk to a billion times. So being that, on the that same page with Sonny Gray is important.
2: Well, I, you know, we saw towards the end of the year, like, you know, one of the things that Sonny Gray did and, and it's hard to come over in the middle of a season, I think is a pitcher and catcher battery, especially to, to learn those guys. He throws a ton of breaking balls and, and there's a lot of action on them and a lot of them are meant to be in the dirt. So when you have a guy that's struggling like that, you, you know, you wonder if there's a confidence level from the pitcher saying, okay, this is the pitch that. I would normally throw in this, cir- this circumstance, but there's a guy on third, I'm not sure if that ball's going to get blocked. Look, I, I I am totally wide open and clean slate with, with Gary Sanchez and his uh, blocking abilities this year. Uh, everything you hear is that he's the work ethic is there. He put in time. He's been you know trying to get better at that. So I, I, I think we're going to see a much better defensive um, blocking-wise Gary Sanchez. We know the arms there. Uh, so this guy is so important because of those those two things, knowing the rotation like he does already, and then obviously the bat. I mean, he's a forty-plus home run guy.
1: If it's not Sanchez, though, like who, who's who is it? Like maybe on the pitching side, who is it?
2: Um, I I think Severino is a very important piece. I think Severino has to be and uh, just has to stay as that dominant number one uh, because I don't think anybody has a ton of faith that Tanaka's gonna be the same guy he was in the second half, um, like fully. I don't think anybody's like fully confident in that. We're all hopeful, and we 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 think that can happen, but I think Severino is a big year because I think if Severino were to come out and and have some somewhat of a slump, um, then you know that could be a, a Lynch win. But the problem is, I see. I don't even think I'm saying this because you asked me the question, but at right. the same no, time, you had
1: to give an answer. But the reason but, it's Sanchez, Sonny Gray helps. The reason it's it's Sanchez is because Romine is the backup, and you're looking at an everyday catcher of Romine. Whereas like if Aaron judge goes down, that absolutely sucks, but you pencil in like stand the right field. And then someone else is DHing. And it's like the offense, the lineup can make up an injury from somebody like that more than they can make up for Sanchez because of what it means. Who's going to be playing for Sanchez.
2: I think the second guy in the field to me that, that would go down. Like there's so many valuable guys, but when you're talking about you know both sides, defense, offense, leadership, the way what they do um, at the plate, uh, I think Didi's another guy because there's not really a shortstop. I knew shortstop. you are going to say that. And I, well, there's and, no shortstop. You know like we funny? have guys who can play other positions. But shortstop's one of the ones that we don't have a lot of depth in.
1: Do you know why it's funny? Because both of those guys missed the, missed the month of April last year, and the team was fine.
2: Yeah, it's true. But I'm talking about extended times. Like I think there's guys that can plug in, no problem. Like our my boy Toe. I was going to say our boy, but it's not our boy. It's my boy. Yeah.
1: We're talking like, I think Jeremy is meaning like three months or more.
2: Yeah. And, and you know, if, if a guy like Didi went down, like that's when Ronald or Ronald Torres, um, that's when Torres comes up Yep, and and we're going to, I mean, he would play short at that point, most likely.
1: Okay. Greg from New York says, I'm watching the spring training game and I figured I'd see what you think of some over under predictions. So Didi Gregorius hits 25 homers
2: over under, um, I'm saying over. He's proof that he just keeps going up. So I'm going well, to say 20, over. He
1: hit 25 last year, and he missed the month of April. So
2: Right. And he's got a lot of support in this lineup. The only problem he's also is he's going hitting, be hitting lower. lower. He's hitting lower, but he missed a month, So and he hit 25. I mean, I, I, I don't know. But he
1: might not he hit, get the same pitches because the – let's face it. Pitchers were like, oh, if I have to attack Judge or Sanchez or Didi, I'm going to attack Didi. And Didi made him pay. But now it's going to be Didi hitting seven. Maybe he doesn't get that same sort of challenge because he's at the bottom of the order and there's other guys you can...
2: Potentially, but there's also, you know, theoretically, there's more guys on base as well. You know, like there's going to be less room to put him as well. A good
1: lineup helps everyone in the lineup because... Up and down, it it, it helps. Puts the pitcher on their heels and gets things going. Yeah, I agree.
2: And one of the big reasons why I think the the power numbers have come with DD1, he's become a better hitter since he's been in New York. But the ballpark absolutely plays to him. Like, he is beautiful for Yankee Stadium. He is absolutely tailor-made for Yankee Stadium because those line drives are going out and they're home runs. And he hits a lot of those line drives.
1: I'm also taking the over, but he's going to hit. 26 home runs all right Gardner appears in 130 games which would actually kind of be low for Gardner I mean he's had some injuries in the past but last year I don't know what he played Um,
2: I I think uh, look I I don't see any reason why, unless something were to happen in the field, like the guy takes care of himself so well. And I know he gets beat up because of the way he plays and that's why his injuries come about. It's like, it's, it's, it's bumps and bruises and things he does on the field. It's not a lack of taking care of his body. Like the guy's in phenomenal shape.
1: You know, I,
2: I, I'm going over with, uh, with Brett Gardner.
1: So I just said, Oh, he's had some injuries. He's played at least 145 games every year since 2013.
2: The problem with him is that we th- we know he's injured, but he's still out he's there. He's still out there going. He may he may be going through an over twenty he's balling. because his his wrist is hurt, right? But he's still going out there and playing. Like he doesn't he does not like to be out of the lineup. So definitely going over
1: this year, though, it might not be because of injuries because like other guys are playing left field.
2: Yeah. 130 games though, that's a lot of games. That's a if you if you were to that's 32 uh, games, in,
1: that's 32 games he misses.
2: Yeah, I don't that's that's high to me. That's a lot of games. Okay.
1: Um, I think it's a, actually an inch. I, at first, my first gut was like, Oh, definitely over. But now it's interesting. I'm taking the over, but that's a good number. Gary Sanchez. He's got two for him. Uh, Sanchez, hundred RBI
2: over 10 pass balls. Unfortunately over
1: <laughs> Jordan Montgomery, 125. How minutes. many
2: pass balls did Sanchez have last year? It was like 16. Okay. Uh,
1: all right. I an- mean, answer Jordan Montgomery.
2: That would cut it down 50%. um, 125 innings pitched. I am going to say over. I think they're going yeah. to be giving him more innings this year. I think last year they actually limited his innings, and I think he's going to be uh, cut free this year. Like, let's see what you got, kid.
1: I agree. Yeah, he pitched over that last year. Where do you where? Do, where is past balls? It should be on his baseball reference page, right?
2: Yeah, I would think so. The next one is Chad Green. One start for Chad Green. I'm 100 taking. The, I'm taking the under. <laughs> I agree with you on that. This is not fun when we agree on everything. I don't think – so Chad Green, the um, I, I assume he's in this prop because he came in as a starting pitcher to camp. But, again, we've already talked about this. We heard what Boone has said about this. He came in because that was what he's always done. He, he's come in as a starting pitcher. He's stretched out like a starting pitcher um, because that's what Chad Green's used to. They're going to be using him in the bullpen. I, I don't see them using him as a swing guy even if. I think the one guy that they would use over him – if, it were, if it we're taking somebody out of the bullpen, is Adam Warren.
1: I nailed it. 16 pass balls for Gary Sanchez. All
2: right, so 10 is a is definitely an improvement.
1: Definitely an improvement. Yeah. The last one is Greg Bird, 350 at-bats.
2: I don't want to answer this question. <laughs> I don't want to answer this one.
1: I'm making you answer uh, it because I'm going to jinx the shit out of him.
2: I'm not saying under. I'm saying over, okay? I, I can't. I can't say under. He's going to hit over because he's going to stay healthy. We had freak injuries with Greg Bird. That's what we had, freak injuries. Not things that are going to linger. The bone is removed. He no longer has this extra bird bone in his foot. And he's going to be fine. He's going to be great. And I think he's going to be over. The only way he's going under, I'm saying, like if, if one of these injuries were to come about, because I, I do believe he's going to be a, a productive play. I don't think it's going to be a, you know, any any problem with him playing.
1: The last question I figured... But my this, fingers are crossed. This would be a good one for you. Uh, so Troy Gunn. At Bama underscore Yankees on Twitter says, Can anyone tell me why Donnie Baseball is not a Hall of Famer? Kirby, I believe he's talking about Kirby Puckett, is the first ballot with lesser numbers. Anyone can explain this to me or am I missing something? I know you're a huge Mattingly guy. And, uh, like he, was, the thing is, like y- you were, I- I'm not making an old joke here, but he was your guy growing up, was Mattingly, whereas, like, Jeter was my guy.
2: Yeah, Mattingly was my guy. Definitely. He was, he was the, um, the the first guy the first player that I ever you know what you know idolize or was the was the guy that I followed the most um, to me it's a shame that he's not in you know he he definitely tailed off at the end but it was all because of a back injury um, the the thing with him is he was such a great hitter such a great defender I think eventually he's going to get in but I don't think it's going to be by the writers vote I think they're going to Well, I mean, going to so get
1: he's already off I mean he only received the highest he ever received was twenty eight percent of the votes and that was know, in his first I... year of eligibility so he could get in. By what is it? What is that? Like the baseball it's the committee? Whatever the committee, committee
2: is. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's going to happen because didn't the Alan Trammell and uh, Jack Morris were were just let in right by by that committee? I think that's a Mattingly move. The thing I is,
1: I don't think Mattingly is a Hall of Famer because he didn't extend, He didn't have anything really past age thirty, like two. But his prime years were so freaking good. Like I have his numbers right here from 1984 to 1989. He won an MVP and he averaged. His average season was a 327 batting average with a, a, a 902 OPS. Um, so 27 homers, 114 RBIs with a 43, like 43 doubles was his average season. He was just an absolute hitting machine for those prime years.
2: I think I think the I think baseball would be looking at Mattingly a little different too if the if he was playing on good teams. Um, it's it's right. still like ninety six to me is bittersweet because it was it was the first year without Mattingly and ninety five ended with uh, with the loss of Seattle and then Tino comes over and takes over first base. It was like a very weird transition, mm-hmm. and I've, I think I remember reading too like his back was he's, he had back injuries, but there was also something about like he wanted to to leave he wanted to. Um, uh, to retire because he wanted to spend more time with his family Is like there there was a decision made both personally and injury. Like there was a lot of things happening, I think at that point uh, with him, but he's talked about that, that, that he left also because of, uh, he wanted to spend more time with his family. And I got to respect that the guy just unfortunately played on, uh, you know he at the very end of his career he started they, the Yankees started having putting together some good teams but for the most part he played on some uh, some pretty bad Yankees teams i have
1: to wonder also if this happens if this happened with other players too where guys who started to be on the ballots in the late 90s and early 2000s actually had uh, the PED era hurt them in the sense where writers were like, well, this guy wasn't as good as these guys playing now. They didn't re- the writers didn't realize what was going on with the PED era-, PED era at that time. They saw guys mashing 50 home runs and they're like, well, Don Mattingly never hit 50 home runs. He's not as good. But then a couple years later, you're like hindsight. Oh, that guy was juicing his brains out. Whereas Don Mattingly was just a filthy ball player.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, t- that's a very fair point. I think when you're in that moment and you're not, you're not seeing, uh, you know, what w- the reason why these guys are hitting the way they are. It, you know, it's probably going to enter into the uh, into the thought process of some of these guys. So it, it's a shame. I think I think, because when you look back, and I'm, I'm obviously biased because you know he was my guy. But when you look back, what w- one of my big things when I'm looking at a Hall of Famer, like the first thing I think of is the eye test. Like if I when I think of this guy, do I think of him as one of the best players of his era when he was playing? And I think Don Mattingly was one of the most dominant players when he was playing. 100%. Yeah. So that's the first thing I do and then I will go back and look at his numbers and like yeah he didn't have the longest career and and a lot of that was because of injury and it's unfortunate. But
1: you're probably right though if he played if he had the same exact career but the Yankees won like two world series in the 80s then people might think of him as a hall of famer.
2: Absolutely. He gets more recognition at that point too. Like it, people you you a lot of people will say that the winning doesn't matter. It doesn't make the the any it shouldn't be in the case of the hall of famer, but it 100% does.
1: Yeah. Final topic of the day is uh, one of our favorites, and that's MLB dumb rules. So, the Arizona Diamondbacks are going to have bullpen carts. I think there's some other teams that might have the bullpen cart too to try and speed up the game where yeah. they'll, they'll shuffle in these guys on little golf carts to the mound so they don't have to jog their butts in. Yeah. Do you yeah. like it?
2: Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. You know, maybe so we, get some, saves... ma- maybe we get some mascots on there uh, and, you know, it's, it's speeding up the game. How about we put advertisements on the golf cart and then don't go to commercial? Love it. Like yeah, save time all, that way because I'm all this is going to do,
1: all this is going to do is save about seven seconds.
2: Unless David Robertson is running in and it will lose. actually be longer. <laughs> You're going to lose two seconds. <laughs> yeah, I don't, it, it's, it means nothing to me. I mean, it's just, um, it's stupid. It, who cares? Who cares? I don't uh, know. I know, mean, maybe the, the maybe pace and a, play
1: thing is something that like MLB is clearly worried about yet. They don't, they're not taking Actual legitimate action. They're taking stupid action. They're taking these stupid little go around rules. Like, oh, I'm going to save 20 seconds here. We're going to have the intentional base on ball so the guy doesn't have to throw a pitch, save 40 seconds there. How about you just cut commercial time and really save it? No, they're not going to do that because it's money.
2: Yeah. I mean, the thing, I, the one thing I, I talked about before that will absolutely speed up the game, it's like the most logical thing to do. Is just have the umpires call more strikes. How about how about that? How about we just call some more strikes? How about you get rid of your little tight zone, uh, start calling the corners, start calling maybe even a little outside the corners, and let's let's get this game going. That the, the, back in the day, there were not very many tight strike zones.
1: No, instead they're just going to institute five hundred dumb rules to yeah, speed up the game. Yeah. A total of six minutes. Um, yeah. All right, Matt's good. talking
2: about on Facebook the picture-in-picture, picture, the commercial picture-in-picture. Picture. I love that too because it's yeah. fun to see. That's almost like being at the game. You can see what's happening, and I like doing that. I like seeing what's happening, the dynamics of what's going on. Yeah, um, and if
1: you can cut 30 seconds each half inning off, then that's some legitimate time at the end of the game. Yeah. So, um, before, before we leave, though, I just want to mention that Scott and I talked bre- – um, kicked around doing movie reviews baseball movie reviews we did it once last year we did the 61 movie the billy crystal movie about mantle and maris we had a lot of fun doing it people liked it we want to do more of them this year so tweet us at yankees podcast which baseball movies you'd like us to watch and review it could also be baseball shows um we also talked about doing the um the bronx is burning one that that series about it was like a mini series or something like that so we're open to ideas (laughs) obviously has to be yankees or baseball related but we're open to a lot of ideas uh, any last words before we get out of here?
2: Nope. same thing I said last week. No injuries. Let's uh, let's let's keep it uh, keep these guys, you know, throwing some baseballs around, getting loose, getting ready to go. Uh, I don't care what happens in the spring training as far as results. I just want uh, I want my guys to stay healthy. That's it. And tune their bodies ready to go. Opening day is the only one that counts. It's right around the corner. We're almost there. It's coming up faster than uh, faster than we realized. Talk to you guys next week.